I'm Jay Caruso, and this is Closer Consideration. Guns. Firearms. It's difficult to think of a subject where the public is more divided on an issue. Whatever your view, however, the Second Amendment allows people to legally own guns. And interestingly enough, despite their contentiousness, guns are a big part of popular culture, particularly in movies. Here we go. AK-47, the very best there is. When you absolutely, positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. But we also know of the tragedy that guns can bring. Mass shootings, suicides, and the damage gun violence has had on the black community. My guest, Sir Michael Singleton a political analyst and co-host of Guns Out TV on YouTube as a gun owner. And he joins me in this episode to talk about guns, gun safety, and about gun ownership in the black community. You can listen to this podcast at ricochet.com, but you can also subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Sir Michael Singleton, thank you for joining me here on Closer Consideration. I appreciate it. Hey, Jay, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm excited. And I have to say congratulations on your podcast. I know this is something that uh, you have contemplated for a long time. You put in a lot of hours and days, weeks and months uh, thinking about this, trying to plan what this would look like. And it's always a beautiful thing uh, to watch someone, you know, have an idea, a dream uh, that becomes an idea on paper that they bring into fruition. So it is an honor to be on. Well, I appreciate that. And just for full disclosure of people who are listening, Shermichael is a personal friend. We've known each other for a couple of years now, and he is truly the salt of the earth, one of the nicest people I've ever met. So um, when we, uh, when you look at the show notes, there'll be links to his stuff and his profiles, and you want to follow him, and you want to read his stuff and see videos, and you'll, I'll get into all of that. Um, but today we're here to talk about gun ownership, particularly gun ownership within the black community. Um, this is, we've seen a rise in black gun ownership in the United States over the last couple of years. And it's a, it's a touchy issue, uh, largely because of uh, the violence that comes with guns in the United States because of certain freedoms that we have, certain constitutional rights that we have, it's unfortunately exploited at times by people who are hell-bent on committing crimes, and so that becomes part of the, the discussion. But, of course, we know that most people who legally own their firearms and who go into the range and shoot are not out there committing crimes. They're not. They're just gun owners who like to shoot. And uh, we're seeing an increase, like I said, among the black community and still some added pressure coming from uh, the the side of people who want more gun control, and I think there's I, I think there's just a lot of you know we hear the term misinformation that's out there, and so I'm going to start with like a general question, 
for you, Sir Michael. What if you were to, if you were the biggest piece of misinformation, and it's not doesn't necessarily have to come from malice. It could just be ignorance. People just don't know. If if I'm asking you, what do you see out there that you would really like to correct people when it comes to guns? Like, what is the biggest piece of misinformation? Even if it's something that is just wrong because they don't know, or maybe it's something bad. I don't know. What do you, what do you think that is? You know, this is probably going to be one that uh, people don't think about a lot, but it's the idea that, yes, we are seeing a large number of African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, Latino-Americans, Jewish-Americans, members of the LGBT community. I mean, you're literally seeing every uh, individuals of every ethnic group, if you will, or every minority category, if you will, buying firearms because people want to be safe. But the misnomer as it pertains to African-Americans, something that I hear and read a lot is like, wow, African-Americans are really buying guns. This is this is something that has never been the case before. And that's not entirely true. Um, if, if you look at the history of African-Americans, particularly at the turn of the 20th century, a lot of African-Americans purchased guns, particularly those in the South, uh, to protect themselves, to protect their families. Uh, there are a lot of great books written by uh, Black authors. Uh, one in particular, I can't remember the name exactly, but it, it, it goes something like, um, it was, it's something about guns and, and freedom in the civil rights uh, movement. And, and essentially the premise of the book, I can't remember the name, but the premise of the book is that while, yes, there were peaceful protests, there were also a lot of African-Americans in the South, such as the deacons of defense, who were former African-American soldiers who came back to the South and they got together and started uh, groups across the South with guns. Um, when Dr. King's home was bombed, there were a lot of African-American men who guarded his home with weapons. And so anyway, the, the premise of this particular book talks about how if it were not for African-Americans arming themselves and utilizing the firearm as a means of protection, then perhaps civil rights would not have occurred as quickly as it did. Um, And and the book makes the case that seeing black people with guns uh, sort of scared some folks. I'm just going to just be blunt about what the book is really about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so at any rate, it just talks about this history of, of gun ownership a responsible gun ownership uh, amongst black people, particularly utilizing guns for safety, uh, for freedom, uh, but to also prove a point of, hey, you, you, you cannot uh, torment us entities of the state, entities of, of the government. You know, things are a little different today. But, but so that's a big misnomer that I hear a lot from people. Oh, my God, black people have never really owned guns before. This is a big deal. That's just that's not the case. There's a very long and storied history, a troubled history, a troubling history in, in many regards, uh, but a history nonetheless of African-Americans utilizing firearms as, as a means of, of defense, as a means to keep themselves, their families and their communities safe. And I think that's an important part of firearm history in the country that people should know. I mean, I'll give you an example, even the NRA and I'm not, you know, I, I don't like how some things have gone with them lately as many people don't. Right. When the NRA was started in the 1800s, uh, they were very pro arming African-Americans uh, to protect themselves and, and for purposes of, of getting their freedom. 
I mean, there, there are all of these very interesting, nuanced things that people just don't know about. They aren't aware of because today's politics, you know, we forget history. We don't read as much. We don't research as much. Uh, but nevertheless, Jay, that that's probably the biggest misnomer that I just sort of like to really try to inform people uh, on. And, hey, there is a history here and it's an amazing history. It's a dark history, but it is a history and it's one that we shouldn't forget. Right. And and you 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 raised Martin Luther King who, from what I understand, he had a lot of guns inside his home, but at the time when he applied in Alabama uh, for a carry permit, it, at the time it was a May-issue state. And, and for those who don't know, there are certain, most states now are what they call shall-issue, meaning that if you pass a background check and you want to carry a gun, you apply for that license, that, or if, if it is a state that even requires it, a lot of states are, are eliminating that. But if they if it if if you pass the background check, you can carry a concealed firearm or you can carry open carry depending upon the state. You just have to check the laws. But there are still states like California, New Jersey, Connecticut that are called May issue states. And May is a very loose term because most <laughs> it's very difficult to obtain that. It permit. definitely but, is. Yeah. But Alabama at the time was a May issue state and they denied King uh, a carry permit. Uh, so that is. There's, I, I think probably a lot of times it's used politically, but I think there's some truth to it that a lot of gun control laws, especially in the 50s and 60s, were largely directed at African Americans to keep them from being armed, uh, so they could defend themselves. I mean, you had people. Yeah, that, no, that's yeah. Go ahead. That's absolutely right, um, Jay. And and really quickly before I respond to that, the name of the book uh, that I was just referencing is titled "This Nonviolent Stuff." Will- get you killed how guns made the civil rights movement possible by charles e cobb jr and and again it's an amazing book that just talks about how without firearms maybe there would have been a civil rights movement and success at some point but maybe it would have come a lot slower but to answer your point yeah a lot of gun laws if you research a lot of gun laws across the country particularly in the south a lot even going back to the 1800s i mean you had to be a white male you had to own property or pay taxes in order to get a firearm and a lot of these restrictive measures were put into place to prohibit uh, african americans or to prohibit freed slaves from owning guns and even when you fast forward to the early 1930s a part of some of those gun laws were because of Uh, mafia crime that has something to do with it as it pertains to certain types of weapons. Uh, But once you get outside of like the Chicago's and New New York's of the world, a lot of states passed very restrictive shell issue measures, again, uh, as a means and a force to restrict African-Americans ability to be able to defend themselves and their communities. Uh, Because just imagine having an equal playing field if some KKK group is riding into your community to, to cause havoc and torment you, uh, that would certainly change the dynamics. Or just imagine if, and we certainly don't want to advocate anything like this today, but just imagine if there were a band of African-Americans at the time who said, you know, we are going to defend ourselves against racist police officers in the South. I mean, that, that it would have just changed everything. Uh, and so to enable the type of black codes and Jim Crow uh, laws that they had at the time, it, it, a part of being able to do that successfully is to assure that people can't have a means to defend themselves. And how do you do that? Well, you pass laws and say, well, shall issue. So yeah, you can submit an application, uh, but we maintain the authority to decide whether or not we're going to grant it. And we know that when you do those type, pass those types of measures, it's going to be most restrictive 
uh, to people who are either at the end of the economic totem pole or in, in, or in the case of blacks in the South uh, who were not white and who were not white men. Uh, and, and we have to be very clear and honest about that. And, and so that's why, for, for, from my perspective, I am completely against uh, those types of laws. I, I just think the history, you know, we talk a lot about history today, right? And everyone wants to move to statues and all these other things. Well, well, there are some critical things that I think are, are important, way more important than some of the issues that we debate. And, and I think as it pertains to firearms, this is a topic that isn't given the proper consideration. It isn't given the proper context when we debate these types of issues. And I think it's, it's important to, I'm a gun owner. I own multiple guns. I certainly believe in gun safety. I believe people should get the proper training and, 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 and to educate themselves. That is critical. Owning a gun is a significant responsibility. But with that said, I don't want to limit anyone's rights to own a gun and particularly as a person of color i know all too well being from the south jay having only recently lost a great grandmother who was nearly 100 years old a couple months ago i know the history uh and the torment blacks faced when they had no means to defend themselves and i know people say well this is 2021 nothing such a thing could never happen again well there's a reason we use that old aphorism history has a way of repeating itself maybe not exactly the same but in other ways and i'm not interested uh, and a repeat of anything of the past. And so I believe in being armed. I believe in being well-trained and I believe in being educated and capable uh, and capable in, in the weapons that I have. And I think other people should do the same. Well, you bring up a good question about training. Uh, I mean, it, the, the, there's another kind of bit of misinformation out there that people go to the range because of the culture of guns and they, you know, they're just fanatics about it. But really people go to the range to sharpen their skills, to make sure that if they do have to use their firearm in a means of self-defense, that they're not going to fire and hit an innocent bystander behind them or something like that. It, going to the gun range is fun. I've been there. You've been there plenty, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but it is. It's fun. It's, it, it is a lot of fun. I think there are, there are plenty of people who have never been to a shooting range, and when they go they almost feel embarrassed because of how much fun that they had, how much they enjoyed it. Um, because contrary to what people will say, you're not training to kill someone. You're just training as you would if you were, if it was 500 years ago and you were training with a bow and arrow. Um, and I think one of the things that, that gets me when it comes to about the training is uh, we don't want people have fought back. And I think it's true. I, I think it's good about mandated training, government mandated training. But what would you do as someone who uh, you obviously you encourage people to to train up and, and get better skilled in their in, in, in not only I would imagine just not just shooting, but the, the care, the cleaning, everything like that. What is your recommendation for people? Because I think a lot of people are just so new to this and they don't really know anything. They're not even sure where to begin. So, yeah. So yeah. let's say somebody goes out and they say, OK, I've bought a gun. I've got a gun. I've got one. What do I do next? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing uh, you should do, Jay, is one, find a class in your area, uh, a defensive shooting course. A basic pistol one is typically what it's called. Call them, sign up, take the course. If you're a woman, there are a lot of places now that are doing women-only courses. Um, if you're a person of a minority group, and I don't, you know, I think everyone should be able to do things together. But, you know, sometimes people feel more comfortable around folks that, that look familiar. 
to them, whatever. That's your business. Uh, there are groups, his Asian groups, black gunners. There's, there's groups for everybody. Like this is America, right? You can find a little bit of everything if you look for it. Uh, but I would say take one of those basic pistol courses because it will teach you about the laws of your particular state. Uh, sometimes municipalities or cities also have additional laws about where you can carry and how you can carry on your person or in your vehicle. Uh, that's important to be able to know those types of things. It's important to know uh, the caliber of, of, of gun. It's important to know where and how to store your weapon properly, particularly if you have kids in the house. That's a big deal. We, we always want to make sure that the children are safe in case they stumble upon an area where a gun is. Uh, it's important to talk about that with your spouse or partner, you know, you want to make sure that they are aware of where the gun is. And you also want to make sure that they're aware of how to use it in, in, in that worst case scenario. Uh, in those types of courses, you will also learn how to use the weapon if you're in a stressful situation once you get out on the range. Because most of the times, if you have to encounter someone breaking into your home or if you're getting robbed, the person's only going to be about five to six feet away from you. You're going to be freaking out. You're going to be nervous. Uh, you mentioned making sure that you don't shoot anyone. You do not want to do that because you will go straight to jail. Uh, you are liable for every single round discharged from that weapon. Uh, so being able to be calm and accurate in a very stressful and, and tense situation is critically important. So you, you take that basic course to learn those basic fundamentals. You learn range etiquette, uh, knowing the condition of your gun, knowing if the gun is loaded or clear, uh, never pulling the trigger until you are absolutely certain what is in front of the weapon. All of those basic fundamentals you learn. And so I would tell people, you've got your first gun, congratulations. That's the first step. But the next step is taking that course so that you can at least learn some basics about the weapon, learn the laws of your state, of municipality, and city. And then if you want to carry your gun, then you take the next uh, stage of things, which is getting your concealed carry uh, weapons permit. Sometimes that can be in the same course. Sometimes that's an additional course. It depends on where you are. But those are sort of the basics, Jay, I would say for any person who just uh, purchased their weapon, you have to take that course. It is so fundamentally important. I talk to so many people and it's, oh my God, I just got my first gun. And some folks are excited. Some folks are nervous. And the first thing I ask, have you, when do you start training? I mean, that that is so important. When do you start training? It's again, I enjoy shooting guns. I shoot guns all the time. I probably shoot thousands of rounds a week because of some of the things that I do. And so I'm very, very proficient with my weapons. I don't expect people to get that type of training. I've trained with former Navy SEALs. I've trained with U.S. Marshals. I've done some really cool stuff uh, as far as training. I don't expect anyone to, to go that in depth, but I do expect, I do maintain the expectation that people know the fundamentals. And if you meet any firearms person, they will say the same. Uh, this can be a fun experience, but it is not a toy. It is not a game. And we see that with the whole Alec Baldwin situation. It's not a game. Right. Uh, and you have to know those fundamentals. And if you know the fundamentals, Jay, then you avoid situations like the Alec Baldwin situation. And I'm just bringing that up as an example, because you would know when you take that, that basic pistol course, if someone hands you a weapon, what's the first thing you do? You pull out the magazine. You do a press check to make sure that there isn't anything live in, uh, in, in the chamber that could accidentally go off. Uh, if you are in a practice situation and you're using a real gun, when you look at that magazine, you're going to take every single round out of the magazine because you want to make sure that there isn't a live round in. But if you've never taken a basic pistol course, you wouldn't know to do that. You, you just would assume, okay, well, the person handed me a gun, no big deal. I'm, I'm in the clear. That's not always the case. Uh, but if you're knowledgeable and informed, 
again, taking that basic course, then you're going to be far more conscious and cognizant of the things you need to do to make sure that you're always handling a weapon with care and with safety, not only for yourself, but for the individuals around you. Right. And, 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 should note that there's a lot of these courses, especially the basic ones, are you can find for free. You don't even have to, you don't have to pay. Yep. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yep, absolutely. There are many places that you can find that are doing them for free. A lot of organizations, I mean, even church groups now, Jay, are offering courses now with, with law enforcement individuals who are members of the church on the weekends who are off. They're teaching basic courses. Now, I mean, you, you can find these things if you look for them. There is no excuse right. uh, to ever be ignorant in, in the modern era. The Internet is, for the most part, free. Um, and all you have to do is just Google. Yeah, I mean, most of, and more often than not, yeah, you're gonna, I'm sorry, you're going to have somebody who's been trained in the, extensively trained in the use of firearms conducting these classes. So it's not just going to be some guy in his backyard. You're going to have correct, former military, correct. And, and you police. do. Correct. And you do. And, and that's a that's a good point you, you're bringing up. Check the background of the person that you're training with. That is so fundamentally important. Have they are they um, trained by the NRA? Have they passed the NRA um, test to be a, 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 a shooting trainer, a shooting coach? Uh, have they taken that that qualification? If they do, they'll have a certificate from the NRA saying that they have qualified. Uh, look at other prerequisites that they have, such as experience, military, former police. Have they ever been in a live shooting occasion? How many students have they taught? I mean, all of those things are, are important. Have there ever been any accidents while they have taught people? Those things are also important because it gives an indication of uh, if they're paying attention to students during their class. I mean, all of those things, you, you need to ask those tough questions. And I guess not even tough questions, just necessary questions. Right. Uh, because there are people who, who may be decent coaches um, but maybe they're better coaches. And I would always say you, you want to go and find the best and most experienced person who's most knowledgeable because, again, it's, it, it's a firearm. It's, it's, it's an important thing, and you, you want to make sure that when you have that gun, whether you're at the range shooting for practice or at your home or on your person or in your car, you want to feel as proficient as possible, Jen. I just, and I know I'm, I'm sounding like a broken record saying this, but it's just so important, man. I've heard so many stories, Jay, uh, from friends, from former military guys, former police officers, of people just having wild accidents with firearms because they didn't, they, they forgot one step or they didn't know, or maybe they knew and got too comfortable and didn't bother. Uh, and, and, and sometimes these are experienced people. So yeah. if experienced people can make mistakes, you're a novice, you have to get the training and you have to make sure you, you get training from someone who is knowledgeable and reputable. It's just so important, man. And I hate to keep reiterating it, but I just feel like that's something that uh, isn't discussed enough. And a lot of people like to make gun owners out as these horrible people or scary people. I can tell you, if you meet any experienced gun owner, they're going to not only say, hey, get training, they'll share with you, hey, this, these are some things I've learned. Or let me recommend uh, someone who's a really good, uh, a good coach, a good trainer who can help you get the necessary licenses or documentation that you may need if you decide to carry your gun or to at least get you to a point where you're proficient with your weapon. There are some of the nicest people in the world and they understand that it, it can be intimidating in the beginning. They understand how nerve wracking it can be because we've all been there. Uh, but they will stress to you, safety is an absolute must. And the other thing that I've experienced with uh, people at you know, people at who own gun shops and, and and people at shooting ranges, people who own shooting ranges, is that 
you're not going to bother them if you have questions. I mean, they want to answer your questions. They are happy to answer your questions. They are happy to give you whatever information that you want. I mean, if you go to you go to a gun range, it, it's a great place to go if you're not sure what kind of gun you want. And they will look at your hands and they'll say, you know, you're left-handed or you're right-handed. You, you prefer, you know, something like this. And they can actually kind of give you a couple. You could try out. You could use them, determine which fits best for you. They're always willing to answer questions. It is not a situation to where I've ever seen somebody who says, who kind of like doesn't want to be bothered. It's like, if this person isn't going to buy from me, then I'm, I'm not interested. And that's just not the way it is uh, with knowledgeable gun owners. I think they're, they're happy to share that information. So let's, but let's, um, let me jump into something else here. So it's going back to um, the black community. It, historically, black Americans support stronger gun control laws. Um, now, I don't know if anybody's ever done these, any kind of studies as to why, like what is the reason? I mean, I can, I can venture a guess and I don't really know, but I think also if you are in an area, for instance, if you, we, we talk about the South side of Chicago, I mean, you could just sit there and look at the news reports every Monday talking about how many people were shot and killed over the weekend in Chicago. And if you are not near that, you're living out in the suburbs of Chicago or you're living somewhere else, you're living in a rural area, maybe you're not, that's not something that affects you as much. And so you have a larger concentration of African-American, black Americans living in those areas. There's Hispanic Americans, minorities in general that may say, oh yeah, I want stronger gun laws to get these guns away from the criminals, which is understandable. I mean, it's not a matter of, a, you know, a, a some kind of intent where they just don't want. I mean, some people do, but I think there's a lot of people that are just mostly thinking if we have stronger gun laws, we'd be safer. Uh, but Chicago, Illinois, is it, particularly in the city of Chicago, is a pretty strict gun control state. So how do you, and I don't know if you've done this or whatever, how do you approach people who are, more, in fa- more inclined to favor gun control and talk to them and convince them that it's not nece- that's not going to be the thing that saves you. And it may not necessarily be the thing to go out and tell them, well, you need to arm yourself. I mean, I think there's too many people that just sit there and say, you need to be armed, go arm yourself and save yourself. But it's, it's, it's a reckless point of view because they're just saying they want people to own guns. But how do you, if you were to sit there talk to someone who may have a friend or even a relative who was, was, was lost to gun violence and they came across your show. We're going to send links to this. You have a, a, a YouTube called guns out TV and they would say to you, what, what, why, why do you do that? And, and why won't you favor more gun control? Can you, how would you answer? You know, that's a really interesting question, Jay. There's a book by a gentleman named Nicholas Johnson. He's an attorney titled Negroes and the Gun, the Black Tradition of Arms. It's a book that I would recommend to your listeners. And I'm referencing this book because towards the middle of the book, Nicholas Johnson writes about what what you're talking about, this idea and notion that African-Americans are in favor of stricter gun control. And what he finds as he looks up research and data points on this is that it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. So it's not that necessarily it's not necessarily that African-Americans are in favor of stricter gun control, as in we want to take people's guns or as in certain guns should be limited. 
But what he found in his research was that when asked the question, black Americans do believe that people should have and be able to own guns, but they also believe that the process to owning a gun should be a little stricter. And so that, so it's, it's a little complicated. Um, so it's easier to just say they're far or for gun restrictions. And, and I know sometimes people just say that blanketly, but I think again, when we have these conversations, we have to be nuanced or we're just doing a disservice to people who are just unfamiliar with the topic. Um, so when we say stricter, it is at least according to some of the figures out there for people to have to go through a tougher screening process to own a gun, but not removing people's ability to own guns altogether. Uh, and so again, Negroes in the Gun, the Black Tradition of Arms, Nicholas Johnson, your, your listeners should check that book out. Uh, but to answer your, your, your point or your question, you know, I just, I understand that firearms aren't for everyone and I'm okay with that. I get it. I, I certainly do. And I, I know some people just aren't comfortable with guns. I have shot with people who, who have never shot a gun before and said, oh my God, yeah, I just didn't like it. It's not for me. Uh, and I understand that. I respect that. Not everything is for everyone. Uh, but I do say to people, I say, it's easy to say that someone shouldn't own a gun until you find yourself living in a tough area or until you find yourself on the end of uh, of a potential crime from a perpetrator who's trying to rob you or cause you, or, or cause you great bodily harm or someone who is trying to, I hate to say this, but cause sexual violence against a woman that's close to you, uh, which is interestingly enough, I was celebrating a friend's birthday yesterday and a friend of his, he showed me a video she posted on Instagram, which has received, I think, a million views now of a guy with gloves, with, uh, I think, duct tape and other things trying to break into her home. And she barely made it into the house, Jay, and thankfully was able to lock the door and she hid in her room crying call the police and it took the police 22 minutes to come 22 minutes. And the only reason this guy left is because I think a neighbor came out of the house and I guess that scared him off. But imagine if that neighbor didn't come out of the house, there's a possibility she wouldn't be alive. But if she had a firearm to protect herself in that instance, perhaps she would have felt more comfortable. Okay. If this guy breaks through this door, I'm going to have to kill him. If I have to protect myself and she would have been within her rights. Uh, and so when people bring up the violence in some of these inner cities, places like Chicago or Baltimore or Southeast DC or parts of Atlanta, parts of Dallas, parts of New Orleans, parts of California uh, or South Central LA, I always say, I get why people say, if we remove the guns, everything's going to be better. That's not true. The issues of those places are issues of poverty. They're issues of education. They're issues of a lack of economic opportunity. Uh, there are issues of a breakdown of, of, of family structure. And I know people say, well, family structure, that's, that's such a cliche to say that. But it, it is important, and I'm saying this as a young man, it is important to have uh, a father and a mother um, with each other, particularly in the home. But even if not in the home, hell, it's still important to have the father engaged in every aspect of his children's lives. Uh, and so when you have all of those things gone, when you, you have a mother who's trying to do the best she can with two kids or possibly more working one or two jobs, barely is at home, it's difficult to be aware of everything your kid is doing. When you have a place where, where drugs are rampant, where gangs are rampant, when you have a place where education is just 
horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Like cases in Baltimore, they're graduating students with 1.2 GPAs. How in the hell is that even acceptable? There should be a national outrage by some of these things. Those are the things that we need to focus on if we're talking about why is there so much crime in these places? It has nothing to do with the gun. It has everything to do with the issues that I just raised of, of economics, of education, of, of the family, of, of opportunity. We fix those things then guns could be all over the place. There is no need to, to use one to cause harm to people because your life is better. Because you can dream what your possibilities are outside of I must join a gang to survive. Uh, you can imagine what was un unimaginable before because you have that education that just seemed almost impossible to grasp. I mean, we, we have to be honest about these things, Jay. And, and I think it's such a cop out when people say, well, remove the guns, it'll be better. No, it won't. It, it won't be better. Look at Chicago, strictest gun laws in, in the freaking country. And New York was another place. It wasn't better. The crime was all over the place. Criminals will always get guns. And innocent people, unfortunately, were targeted more than not. And, and I'm not saying we want to overly criminalize young black men. I'm a black man. I definitely don't want to do that. But what I am saying is that I understand that there are a lot of issues, underlying issues that we just don't discuss. And if we do discuss them, we just assume if we throw a lot of money to it, the problem will fix itself. Well, that hasn't ever really worked with anything. Uh, and so I think if we want to solve that problem, we need to be real with ourselves about why those problems exist and try to solve them. But removing guns and just saying everything's going to go away and be better. That's nonsense. There's just no evidence that that has ever worked. And there's no evidence that it'll work in the future. And, and it's a cop out for what the real issues are. Right. And Let's talk a little bit about the phrase you hear a lot called gun culture. There's a lot of talk about gun culture. In fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, your uh, yeah, guns out on on uh, YouTube is described as guns out as a gun culture lifestyle brand that aims to create educational, entertaining and compelling content pertaining to firearms operation and ownership. Um, but there's it's become almost a negative connotation gun culture. Uh, I think that they, I think people, this is another kind of misnomer. People talk about gun culture. It, you like firearms. You have a YouTube channel related to firearms. But as I know, since I know you personally, you don't spend all of your time talking about guns. You play, you play the piano. No, I don't, man. I have a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. You play the piano. You're, you're an artist. You, you, you have, you have, uh, you have a girlfriend. Uh, you have, you do political stuff. So you, you do hits on television. You have a life. Exactly. You work out, you do all these things and, and we can save for the uh, audience. Uh, sure. Michael's pleased to get me to go work out with him for over two hours. And he's casually said he's going to go work out for two hours. Like the way I would say, I'm going to go take an hour long nap. Um, but that's another issue. <laughs> but when it comes to we're working on him, guys, we're working on Jay. So, you know, you need to drop some comments and message Jay and say you need to go work out with your Michael. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to say that in a, in a way that it isn't very nice. But anyway, um, talking about gun culture, I mean, what is it's not a bunch of people sitting around saying, oh, let's talk about our guns. And that's where you also get the whole phallus measurement kind of situation coming into play. But when you, when you talk about the phrase gun culture, what do you mean? What, what is that about? Yeah, no, it's just, it's a collective of people who are knowledgeable about firearms. 
uh, who are knowledgeable about firearm usage, uh, who are knowledgeable about the mechanics of firearms. Uh, and, and so that's, what, you know, when we think of culture, that's what we think of, just like when we think of a hip hop culture, right? Or, or a pop culture, when we think of culture in general, it's a, it's a collective group of people who come together uh, with sort of a shared ideas about a certain thing or, or at least a common interest in a certain thing. And they share that knowledge and, and hopefully impart that knowledge onto others. Uh, and that's a very positive thing. And I think it's only become negative, just, you know, this is what happens in the media when we have these conversations about things and, and, and there's so much outrage about things. We just, we're never, nuance we never talk with specificity we just you know it's, it's just always hyperbole or it's all or, or or if it's not hyperbole it's always attack 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 from some versus the other and then the others are constantly defending 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 people gain nothing out of it and so when they think of gun culture they think well this must be absolutely negative uh, because that's the way it's been marketed for such a long time. And I would push back against that and say, no, that's not the case at all. There are forms of culture in, in everything when you bring people together. Uh, and so I, I think, again, it's just a, a collection of people, industry folks, competitive shooters. Uh, you have your folks who make guns outside of large manufacturers. I mean, there, there's just so many fascinating people in the industry. There are former military police officers. There are people who have no experience in, in, in law enforcement or the military at all who just enjoy shooting. Uh, and, and each of them, all of them bring something unique uh, to the table that makes up the overall gun culture. And so, again, I think it, it's a positive thing. And, and I know people are going to say, well, there are some extremes. There's extremes in everything. Right. You, you, you can't point right. to anything and not find you know, a few bad apples. Uh, but I can absolutely assure you that that is not representative of the vast majority of gun owners uh, in this country. Again, it, it's a history, it's a culture rather that has a long history in this country dating back to the founding, heck before the founding of this country. Uh, and there are so many amazing things that I've learned uh, about firearms from so many people in the community. Uh, there are a lot of things I've learned as it pertains to African-Americans in our history of firearms sometimes from other white people, believe it or not, who are really into guns. And I'm like, hell, I didn't know that. And I'm a black guy. Uh, but, but they have such an appreciation uh, for the culture that there are so many people, Jay, who spend time, a lot of time that have spent years learning all the ins and outs of the history of firearms, not only in our own country, but other parts of the world. I mean, just some amazing people. You, I've met doctors, lawyers, dentists, heck, a few judges, a few celebrities, everything in between. Some Sometimes you wouldn't even know because sometimes people don't want it to be publicly known because no one wants to get, get a, the crazy badge, quote unquote, which is given to anyone who shows an interest in firearms. Uh, so they often don't say anything, but there are a lot of very diverse people that make up uh, the, the gun community, the firearm community, many more than just the white guy um, that's in Appalachia, which is what people seem to only associate with firearms. No, it's a very diverse community. And now today you brought up in the beginning of the conversation, the growth of the community. Now, today, there's a little bit of everybody in, in the firearms community. I mean, you have even rappers like Twista and other individuals that are 
uh, joining the community now with their million plus subscribers that are slowly educating their younger audiences and followers on firearms and importance of of owning a gun and and the importance of maintaining the Second Amendment, but the importance of training and, and education and the history uh, of guns. So it's it's diverse and and it's not negative. Are there examples where people have done bad things? Of course, that's with everything, but that should not uh, embody. And people shouldn't allow that, I should say, to embody uh, what they think of as the entire community in totality. Yeah, you bring you bring up an interesting point, and and I guess technology plays into that. We've heard a lot of talk about big tech and how terrible they are and the misinformation. But I also think, in in a in a cultural sense, if you were to go back thirty years, go back to the to the mid nineteen nineties, you know, when everybody was get tough on crime. The, the the larger image of black Americans with guns was relegated to uh, hip-hop videos, gangster rap, and talking about gangs, the Crips, and the Bloods. And it wasn't a situation like your YouTube channel where you guys are going out, you're trying out different guns, you're talking to different people. You, it, It's a very varied channel, and we'll have links to it in the show notes and everything uh, for people to go and and take a look at. And so going, so I think it's important that people have access to be able to see that, to say, Hey, you know what? Owning a gun is just, it's, it's a thing. It's not a white thing. It's not this thing. It's not that thing. It's just a people thing. And here are two black Americans. And uh, we talked about this right before we started, but we'll just kind of let people know that you're partnering that John. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I remember his last name. Yeah, John Keyes. Okay, so John Keyes, uh, he was a Marine, so he obviously had used firearms but did not own a gun personally before 2020. And so th- you see him, if you watch him on the on the videos, you think this guy has just been Mr. Guns for you know, 10, 15 years, but the reality is is that he's a relatively, in terms of his private, not in his military service, but, but privately a recent gun owner in the last year and a half or so, two years. And so what is part of that culture? What is it that your goal is for Guns Out TV? I mean, it's it's entertaining as hell. I mean, there's some stuff and we're going to get into that in another minute here about about certain types of weapons and and the arguments that people make. But if you were to look at that and you were to sit there and somebody would say, I'm asking you, actually, what is your goal for that channel? What is it that you want people to get out of it when they watch it? Yeah, so uh, we want people, one, to be entertained because that's important. But most importantly, we want to educate people. And typically, when we were thinking about the show and trying to figure out the best ways to develop content, uh, we spoke with a couple of educators, a couple like PhD educators. And what they all told us, and we spoke with several from across the country, including two Ivy Leagues, were that for most people, the vast majority of, of people in America, whether they're kids or adults, the, the quickest way to educate people in earnest is by entertaining them. So we, we did like legitimate research, Jay, on everything before we actually started doing our show. Uh, and so we started thinking about, well, okay, well, what does that look like? How do you do this in a safe way that doesn't come off as reckless or crazy? So then we started, you know, looking at some different movies and coming up with different ideas. It's like, oh, okay, well, people really enjoy this movie because it's something that we could replicate in a very, very safe way and make it fun and make it cool. And so when people watch the show and they're like, oh, my God, that's a gun from Call of Duty or that's a saw 
or that's a gun from the John Wick movie. Uh, they're seeing all of the dynamic action going on. And then we start talking about this as a type of gun. This is what, how you should handle the gun. This is the history of the gun. So then they're also been educated in the process and don't even realize it because they're so entertained. But if you were to ask them, what did you think about the episode? Oh man, you guys use this gun. They can name the guns. They can name the actions of the guns, what type of ammo and caliber of bullets the guns take. I mean, it, it, it's a fascinating process when, when we've traveled across the country to meet people who say, I, I wasn't, wasn't a gun person, but I'm a big action person. I just happened to see one of your ads or something on YouTube. And I checked you guys out and I was like, holy smoke. I remember that from one of my favorite movies and that's a so-and-so gun. And now I'm gonna go and take a class it's really cool because you can you can literally see that people are being educated as they're being entertained and so that's the focus to normalize and we say normalize gun culture and when we say normalize we mean to make people feel comfortable uh, with with gun ownership cool. uh, and the way to do that is by educating people uh, and by showcasing that firearms can be used uh, in a safe way uh, when handled with proper training and with proper care and with proper supervision. Uh, and, and so that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And I think we're slowly accomplishing that. Yeah. I've watched um, your subscriber numbers climb, which is, which is really good. So you got a lot more people watching. Yeah. We're gaining almost 2000 subscribers a month since nice. January, which is amazing. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Um, so let's talk about, so, and I've seen some of the videos and you guys shoot some wild firearms. So, <laughs> that comes that comes to, <laughs> that comes to the next question this a lot of times we hear this you you've probably heard it from politicians from from gun control activists even from people who aren't necessarily uh full-time gun control activists but they'll say why do you need x and of course that has come up very recently with or not recently for 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 several years now with the AR15 style uh, rifle and other weapons as well. Uh, I think I think one. I don't know if it was on YouTube or if it was on Instagram. There was some kind of fifty cal weapon that you guys were firing, which is just like ridiculous. I mean, and, I, and when I say ridiculous, I don't mean like it's stupid. It, I mean it's just like it's out of the world, kind of crazy because it's such a large, powerful round it's it, it, for some people who don't know i mean the, the snipers yeah, use that yeah and but they have handguns that shoot 50 cal and they have other rifles that shoot 50 cal so how do you answer that question i mean i understand why people like to shoot ar-15s and contrary to what people say they are great weapons for self-defense particularly women because of their lack of recoil uh, yeah they're very easy to shoot very easy to shoot Yes, it, it, it can be deadly. And yes, we've seen people use it for nefarious purposes. Of course, if you go and look at the data and you find out how many people are killed each year with someone using a rifle, uh, you'll find that actually there are more people who are stabbed and beaten to death every year than there are those who killed right. with a rifle. But <clears throat> to stay away from that for a minute and just go back to the question of somebody says, why do you need an AR-15? I, now, I think it's a false question because it's not about need. Nobody's saying I need it. You know, I don't need a Kindle, but I have a Kindle. Uh, but when somebody says, "Why do you need that?" It 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 it's a weapon of war. That's a, that's something else. So if I if, if I'm someone who wants to understand why you have an AR-15, I say, "Why do you need that? Why do you need a weapon of war?" How do you respond to that? I mean, a pistol can be a weapon of war. Is it not a shotgun? 
as a weapon. I mean, every every form of a gun is used in war. So right. when people say that, Jay, it's just so ridiculous to me. I mean, it, I'm just being honest. It's because people say that because you see all the videos of soldiers, particularly Marines or Army or folks in the Army, uh, running around with their um, M16 variants. And so they think, oh, they see AR-15 up. That's what, that, They just immediately associate that with war. And I get it. Uh, but, you know, officers carry pistols all the time. Generals carry pistols all the time. I mean, you can find countless videos, images from the past and today. So from my perspective, when people say that, I say, well, then I guess we should just get rid of every gun. But seriously, we should get rid of every single gun. Because by that definition, there is no gun that would be acceptable if you're basing the premise of your argument on it's, it's, a, it's a, something used during wartime. Look, I think the vast majority, I know, based on data, the vast majority of gun owners are, are responsible people. And when we have these discussions about incidents that occur from gun violence, I understand gun violence. I know it all too well, better than most people. I lost my father to gun violence. I lost an uncle to gun violence. I don't need anyone to tell me the impacts of gun violence on someone. I know it all too well. But I also know that if we are more educated on these types of weapons, I also know that if people are trained properly, I also know if people who even may not like the weapons are aware that the vast majority of people who own these types of weapons are not committing crimes, but that people who do commit the crimes are either criminals or they are suffering from a mental illness, as we know all too time when there's one of these shooting incidents, it's someone always has some type of a mental issue. Then if you can associate mental illness, criminal, okay, that's one camp or two camps, and then you have your responsible gun owners and you separate the two, then I think people, if they're following their logic, would have no other option other than to say, you know what, most of these people, yeah, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just shooting their guns. And the people who are doing things wrong are criminals or folks with mental, or mental illness. And we have to figure that out and we have to deal with that. And we can discuss that. And that's a debate worth having. Uh, but we can have that debate without attempting to restrict the rights of responsible and law-abiding citizens. Um, the Constitution makes it very clear as it pertains to the Second Amendment and, and how it, that, that right shouldn't be infringed. And I think the moment we begin to restrict and limit that, I think we're walking on dangerous territory. You know, we talk a lot about freedom in this country, particularly after the Patriot Act passed under George W. Bush. And people were saying, well, America is not really a free place anymore because the government can spy on everything. I agree with that. <laughs> You're not free when government can look at you when you don't know it. Um, but we really won't be free when the government starts to say you can have certain types of guns. Because the question becomes, Jay, if you start to limit one type of gun, when does it become a moment in time where a person says that's not enough? Limiting some guns isn't enough. We have to get rid of them all together. That's what happened in Australia. They started limiting guns until it got to the point, you know what, we're going to just take all of them. That, that, that is what eventually happens because there's always going to be that person who wants to go to the next level. Someone in leadership in politics who wants to go to the next level and they're going to have a substantial amount of followers who, who will share in their belief. And then at some point they will accomplish, accomplish that goal. And so we in the United States have to be very, very careful about the slippery slope here of saying we want to restrict certain guns, we care about our freedom, 
And I know people say, well, you know, America can never become a tyrannical government. Sure about that? You know, it's one of the things that's so arrogant to me about us as Americans. We just think that we are just so absolved of everything. Nothing can ever go wrong in the United States. Why the hell can it? <laughs> Rome went wrong. Greece went wrong. I mean, I can think of every quite amazing empires of the past that took a turn for the wrong at some point in their history. Right. Why in the world do people think that 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 cannot occur in this country? Because it certainly can, Jay. Uh, and it may not seem like it today, but who in the hell knows what could happen 50 years from now? You don't know. And, and so we got to be careful, man, as it pertains to anything that that allows us and enables our rights and abilities to maintain some level of freedom that we still have. Because we don't have a lot of it. We, we just don't. I mean, again, the Patriot Act limited a lot of that stuff. Um, but for the freedoms that we do have, we need to assure that we have the protections in place to assure that those freedoms don't don't dissipate over time. And I think when you start trying to limit certain guns, it just opens up that door to start limiting all guns. And that's just something that I, I could just never be in support of. And again, for people who say, why you need a weapon in war, I simply say separate gun owners from the criminals and people with mental illness. Those are just two different camps. They are. Uh, if you have drunk drivers, we don't say, well, we're going to limit all cars because some idiots every year decide to get in the car drunk and they kill someone. Right. No, we separate the groups. Uh, we, we think about other other things and people and people do wrong with almost anything you can think of. We don't go and limit these types of things. And, and you mentioned knives, which is something I was going to bring up. You know, more people are killed a year by knives and, and other things than firearms. And yet it's like we can't bring up facts because people will say, well, you know, yeah, that may be the case, but they don't kill that many people at, in one setting. OK, all right. That, that's fair. But when you look at the data for a year, you mean to tell me that we can't consider that data in the debate? Of course we can. It would be negligent not to. And so we can't we can't develop policy prescriptions or, or have legitimate debates. Jay, based on jaded information, right. information that only we like because it suits our arguments. No, we, we can't do that. We, we can't use straw man arguments. We, we have to have these conversations honestly. And if we're going to do so honestly, then then the data speaks for itself. OK, so let's let's take let's take a step back a little bit from the political and from the legal discussion. And go back to the question of why do you need that? So if somebody's asking you, not necessarily, again, it's not someone saying, why do you need something like that? But why do you, why do you like shooting an AR-15? Why, why it, and not from a legal standpoint, and, I'm, and let's say I'm coming at this from the idea, and I am, because I'm, I'm aligned with you on the political and the legal and the constitutional issues. But if I say to you, if I'm someone who has just a couple of handguns, and I say to you, so, Michael, why do you have an AR-15? How do you? What's, oh, what's yeah, it? I just I, I enjoy shooting them. I mean, that's just that's just the bottom line. That's my answer. I, I, I enjoy shooting them. I enjoy shooting a lot of guns. I don't enjoy shooting shotguns as much, especially some of the higher caliber ones. I don't like I don't like how it feels on my shoulder. So there are some guns that I don't like. There are some pistols that I don't enjoy shooting because I don't like the recoil, certain calibers. Uh, pistols that I just absolutely hate, like like certain magnums. I don't like them. I just think it's unnecessary <laughs> to shoot a gun like that. It's fun, but it's not something that I would own because it's like, yeah, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll borrow friends when we're hanging out. But I just enjoy it, Jay. I just I enjoy 
going to the range, having a great time shooting. It's fun. I have a lot of fun testing accuracy and testing uh, our efficiency and our weapons manipulation as far as like how fast we, we are with getting on target and, and distancing and movement. That stuff is a lot of fun. And so when, if someone were to ask me that, I, that would be my question. Just like I enjoy playing my piano, just like I enjoy painting. It's just something I have fun doing. Simple as that. And yeah, especially and, coming from the competitive background, I really, really enjoy it. And I don't do that as much as I used to, but just, I guess, to give more context into why I enjoy, you know, I did a little bit of competitive, competitive shooting and that was really fun. And I liked the sports side of competitive shooting and how it really tests your skills. Uh, and so, you know, being able to continue that, but in a more fun way, going to the range or shooting at an outdoor range is just something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. And there was a, um, I just brought it up. There's an article this is from John Stokes, who I, who I follow on Twitter, and uh, he wrote an article for Wired. This is back in 2013, so this is uh, almost nine years ago. It's so February 2013. So the AR-15 is more than a gun. It's a gadget. It is very customizable with all different kind of things that you can put on. It doesn't, nothing changes the lethal, uh, you know, whether it's, it's lethal or not. It doesn't do any of that. But if you want to put a scope on there, or if you want to put, different types of stocks on there. You can all those different things. It is very customizable. I know I've spoken to people that have AR 15s that love it for that reason, because they can shoot it in different ways. They can kind of do different things with it. Um, I, 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 I think that going back to everything that we've talked about here over the last hour now is that shooting is fun. A lot of times it is fun. Yes. You have to be very responsible. It is not something that you can do. And you're right. The Alec Baldwin situation, even if he's even if he wasn't negligent or if he didn't do anything criminal, somebody who's educated, seriously educated in the use of firearms, despite the fact that somebody handed it to him who was supposed to check to make sure that there weren't any live rounds or anything like that, would have checked it himself. Am I right? I mean, just answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, right. I'm answering rhetorically, but I just know you'll agree with me, and you did. It is a situation where if that if you were the person who was handed that gun, you wouldn't have just taken the word of the person who gave it to you that it was okay. You would have been like, you oh, checked no, it yourself. No, no. And even if even if I'm watching you, um, you'll sometimes see me in some of our shows. I'll still do a press check or, or you'll still see me sort of look at the gun, and just sort of inspect it, even if I'm seeing everything the person is doing. And that's just right. out of habit at this point. But again, uh, you know, this incident with Baldwin could, could have been avoided, Jay. And I'm not trying to, you know, play politics or anything like this. A life right, was no, lost. Tragic, sure yeah. It is a traumatic experience for him um, accidentally killing someone. Oh, my God, that, that can't be easy emotionally to, to deal with. But it could have been avoided if he had the proper training. Check that firearm, no matter what anyone said, no matter how many different steps it was supposed to go through. Um, you're using a gun that you don't know where it came from. The ammunition was already loaded. Apparently I really got to check that. Like you are not handing me a weapon uh, with ammunition that I haven't checked. I mean, it's just, these are just things that you, you would know with training. And that's why I iterated and stressed so fervently about the importance of people getting training. If they decide to get a firearm, it's important, man. It's important, Jay, because you can Google man, a lot of stories, of accidental shootings literally people just made a mistake because they didn't know or as i said they did know but they got lazy 
Right. Oh, I've been doing this a while, so I don't have to. No, no, yes, you you have to continue to do it. It's not a toy. So yeah, I would have checked that gun, and I and, and it wouldn't have even Jake. I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. They would have said, "Hey, Sir Michael, you know, here's the gun." I would have asked, "Okay, great, let me look at it. Uh, ammunition's been loaded. What type of ammo? I need to check this ammo out." But but again, that's because of my experience with guns. And I think if Alec Baldwin or actors in general, because not every actor is going to be like Keanu Reeves, right, who actually enjoys shooting and he's been training with a good friend of mine, Taron Butler, who owns Taron Tactical, one of the best shooters in the world. He goes all in for the John Wick franchise. Right. But I don't expect every actor to do that. But I do expect every actor, if you're going to be using guns on set to get the basic training so that going forward. You avoid this type of stuff. Sure, and maybe maybe now they'll they'll go ahead and do that. They'll understand any type of firearm that's going to be on this set. We're going to have everyone who's going to be handling it. If we go through the script, anybody who has a gun in their hand, they're going to be required to take a training course before we do it, and or prove that they are proficient and have done the training. So I think it's I think there is something good that can come out of this tragedy. So um, as we wrap up here, this is a great conversation. Uh, I I end with a similar type of question for, for each guest. And the question I have for you is for somebody who is, and, 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 and for somebody who suddenly has a spark of interest in owning a firearm or shooting a firearm, what, what's the first thing or what's a, what's a small step that person can take before they even go and 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 you know shell out money for for a firearm, what's the what's a small step that they can take that a will will educate them and b uh, along with that education is going to keep them safe and and c uh, give them the motivation to continue down that path to maybe own a firearm. What, what's a small step that they can do? You know that's a great question, Jay. I mean because it's it's going to be different for every person but i would say the first step before even buying a gun i i would look up some of those different courses that i that i mentioned i would look for a group like there's a group in the dmv called dmv shooters um there are groups like that all across the country where you can just go so jay let's say you've never shot a gun you never held a gun you don't own a gun go in a group and just go one weekend observe people shooting ask, hey, is it okay if I shoot? Can you show me some basic things? I'm thinking about this, but I'm not really sure yet. That to me is probably one of the smartest things you can do even before buying the gun. Because there's so many different types of guns. You don't, you don't know so a gun shop owner is gonna recommend or a clerk is gonna recommend, oh, you can try this or oh, this is the right caliber for you. You can buy it and go shoot it and say, oh my God, I hate this. So find a group and go. Because most of the times there, there are going to be multiple people there, Jay, and they're typically all going to have different types of guns, different caliber guns. You would have an opportunity to try out a few different things so that you know, okay, I have an idea of what I want. I shot that. I liked it. Maybe I don't get the exact same thing, but I want something similar. That, that, that to me is the smartest step a person could take if they're interested in buying a gun. And uh, you mentioned, that's, that's a great response, and you mentioned uh, DMV shooters, the group, I found them mm -hmm. on Facebook and oh. <laughs> for, for, for your, yeah, well, I just found their Facebook group page and for, um, for, for, as we talked about, we're talking about black gun ownership. There's a photo here of, of the group. Uh, they were 
looks like they were at a campground somewhere and there's not a white face in the photo. So if you're, if, you're, if you, if you want to find, if you're looking for some, some, some black gun owners that, that can sit there and talk with you, there you go. I mean, I'll, I'll leave links to that. I think, I think that's, I think that's important. I think that building community, and, and we're not talking about segregated communities here, but we're just talking about, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. talking about there's going to be groups where there's going to be more white people than more black people. But I think they're probably welcome anyone who's interested. And I think that that is going to be, that's critical the community building a community around it so that people are informed they they know uh, what people are doing they know about new laws they know about uh, they know about new training all of these different things i think are are critical to making guns seem less scary putting them in scare quotes and also educating the public about that so i think that's a that's a really good uh, really good idea and you know we'll, we'll, We'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes so people can go and, and check these things out. So, uh, sure, Michael, uh, I really appreciate you being on here, taking the time to talk oh, to me. Oh, this has been a lot of fun, Jay. Yeah. Now I have to get you to come on my SiriusXM radio show next. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, he, he threw that plug in there. So we'll get we'll get links to his SiriusXM show as well, and I'd be happy to be on. Uh, but sure, Michael Singleton, thank you so much for being uh, my guest on Closer Consideration. No, thanks so much, Jay. And to your audience, I would say check out Guns Out TV on YouTube. I think you guys will like the content. There you go.